HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, road trippers, you have indeed reached Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. But before we can take off on this week's road trip, we need to fill up the tank, which is code for pay the bills, which is code for run the commercials for the folks who are enabling us to go on these agave road trips. So sit back and Chava and I will circle back to you in a second. This week on Meet and 3, we head into the second part of our mini-series on global trade, where we talk about all things sweet, from chocolate and sugarcane to the cultural festival that accompanied the growth of the date industry in the U.S. They're using this romance and fantasy to say, dates are exotic and you should consume them. I'd like to think of the food that we eat as archaeological artifacts, in part because the history of humanity is in the stands in your produce market. It's not like other foods. We have very like, personal feelings about chocolate. Tune in to Meat in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Agave Road Trip is brought to you by Mezcal Amaras. Mezcal Amaras is a company built through love, love for the sun, the land, and the people who work it. And most of all, love for Mexico and its sacred plant, the agave. Now strap yourselves in for another episode of Agave Road Trip. I am Lou Bank. And I am Chava Periban. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that teaches gringo bartenders about agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. So, Lou, I was thinking in the, our last episode, we were just talking about the skills development of a lot of the children that are now learning how to make agave spirits. And I couldn't but think about how is agave spirits going to look in the future? <laughs> how do you imagine your futuristic mezcal? And by futuristic, I think you and I agree that we're not imagining more stainless steel applications or computers. We're thinking about something that usually people do not put in their minds when they think about futuristic stuff. Well, you know, I, I actually I actually think of all of that. Like, I, I absolutely think that we're going to see a lot more of these um, uh, super industrial distilleries making mezcal. 
absolutely without question, that is part of the future. I also would like to imagine that I'll be able to order things from rural Mexico and they will be lifted up by a tiny little bot that will fly all the way from, (laughs) right? Fly all the way from, from let's say Durango and just deliver me the bottle that I want at the moment. But I think the more relevant point and the one that you're actually trying to get to is what does the world look like in these rural communities um, with these families? Yes? Yes. And also, innovations-wise or changes-wise, which are going to be the really important ones to make flavors that are going to blow our minds in 50 years, 60 years? What are the things, if we take beauty and deliciousness, our criteria, which are going to be the innovations that might do more delicious, different uh, agave spirits. God, you know, it's, it's funny. So, okay. So I'm, I'm going to go down that path, but then I'm going to drag you down the path I want to go on. So, so, okay, but, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but first, you know, so, so when, when I was, uh, down in Oaxaca, like a year and a half, two years ago, um, uh, some friends taught, taught me, took me to meet Anaceto Garcia in Miahuatlan. And, he was doing something and he's not a young cat, right? He's got great grandchildren. Um, but he was using the pancas, the leaves, uh, in order to, uh, to distill. He was fermenting and distilling the leaves of the agave, even though you always hear it's just the heart. And here's an old guy who found a new trick. And I think that he found it because he was running out of agave. He had to use every sugar source he could find and that left him with pancas. That left him with leaves. Yes. And I also think that, and you were saying this in the last episode, that usually you prefer the spirits that are made by the son of the master distillers that, or the palenqueros or the maestros mezcaleros that you really admire. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of that has to do with that these kids, their palate, their interests, their connection to the world is extremely different to their parents. Mm-hmm. Like my dad, uh, and I think like I can relate that in many ways, I, like my dad cannot turn on a computer. There's so many things that I cannot talk with my dad, even from aesthetic point of, or perspective, because he just he just didn't grow around that. His childhood experience was so different. So you have all these kids that have a different appreciation of the world and therefore a different palate and a different understanding of what might taste good or not. And let's just say they have different imaginations and they will apply their imaginations in different ways while making these spirits. Oh God. And that's such a, it's like, it's a taffy pull that you're talking about, right? Like we, we want to protect, we want, <laughs> and, and it's accurate to say that we want to protect the cultural heritage as though it's our culture to protect. And it's not, that's like, that's sarcasm for anybody who doesn't get sarcasm without a little smiley face after it. Um, but, but at what point does the innovation actually turn away from the cultural heritage. Well, here's like, I'll put an, I'll, I'll, I'll make an example of this that, I, that I've been thinking yeah. for a while. Don't steal this idea from me, you. <laughs> 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 no, but I think it's like something super basic. Say, in clay distillation, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the ceramicists of Oaxaca have been evolving their techniques drastically in the last 20 years, 15 years. They have better kilns. Mm -hmm. They understand better how to mix their Uh. own clays. They understand better even glazes. So I imagine that if some mezcal producer were to see that development and do custom formulations in the bodies, in even the clay type, in the glazes that you can use for the steel, you can come up with very different flavor profiles. 
And I'm not saying sell hmm. any computer or anything. It's take advantage of the other innovations that are happening in the crafts that are around Moscow. You know, it's it's an interesting way to put that. And and I think the the relevance that I find in that statement is I, I'm not even sure that I would call it innovations so much as a better understanding of the process, right? Like if if you're if you're learning how to better make clay pots and you understand that that when you heat the clay pot uh, the, and and the uh, alcohol inside is forced out in a different way that you get a different result like is that innovation or is that just the honing of technique over multiple generations it's this alcohol I'll call it innovation. I mean, oh. I know, innov- I, and this is so irritating for me because innovation is usually used or reserved for the Silicon Valley looking things. And I think that's yeah. one of the biggest thefts that that context has made to human intelligence. Oh. So suddenly all that better understanding of techniques cannot use these words that are reserved for higher technology. And I think that's very unfair. Like, I think this is very high technology. <laughs> well, I don't think there's fair and unfair. I think there's just reality. But I I, I think to your point, um, there's no reason that you can't better understand and therefore better uh, utilize the, the, the tools that we've been using, that they've been using for hundreds of years. You don't have to move away from the integration of the tool and your 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 five senses and your, your human skills. There you go. I think that's the relevant point for me is once you replace the humanity, once you replace the human skills with the tool, I think that's where you start to depart from tradition. I, I think that's interesting, and I think we are extremely complex machinery, we humans, right? And our perceptions are extremely complex machinery. And I, I think, yes, like, I think the moment where the imagination of a maker, it's disattached of the product, that your imagination, your senses, your understanding cannot be applied to take decisions on the product, that you're basically obeying to the, to the, to the tool and the limitations of the tool to take all your decisions. Huh. That's where, uh, like, I think that's computers, you know? Like, you can do yeah, yeah, only yeah. the, and, and they have extremely uh, strict boundaries. And I think what's really interesting about the craft context and agave spirits in particular are that the borders between the human interaction and breaking a lot of the rules that were established before you got there, it's a little bit more, it's more fluent than the, than in the heavier technology. It's harder to change very technologically intensive processes. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. You know, I'll tell you, for me, I don't get nearly as excited. I don't get excited at all thinking about what I'm going to be <laughs> drinking in the future, if I'm honest. I really don't. Like, I I, I, I want to protect uh, these communities who are making things in this way. Um, and, and that's the delicious stuff that I enjoy drinking. But honestly, if they followed a path that took them away from making these spirits, right? I, I, if it took them instead in a path that uh, helped figure out better solutions to water insecurity and food insecurity and climate change, uh, I, I'd, I'd be just as happy. Mm. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I like drinking, but I, you know, I think there are <laughs> far more important applications of this multi-generational wisdom than just how to make more delicious spirits. I think it, they almost, you're almost ghettoizing 
you're not even ghettoizing. I think that you end up losing the value when you think about it in such a small way as how can you make more delicious booze? Yes, but I think, I mean, I understand why would you say that because it feels like very indulgent, very like, I just want to have some delicious stuff. But I think they might be connected. I think that a community that has the capacity and the pride on making some really delicious spirits can also have the wheel and the tools to have a better social structure. Mm. I'm saying like a very, I guess, risky argument here. But I think if you have a community of people that are very happy and proud of what they do, you have a community that can unite to do like more relevant stuff like water security and their environmental change. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree 100%. I think the bigger question is, kind of goes back to to what you were saying about uh, technology, uh, quote unquote, stealing the idea of, uh, how'd you use it? How'd you phrase it? Advancement? Well, yeah, like Silicon Valley and those guys have said that their technology or their te- technological innovations are the only ways to advance humanity for progress, let's say. Right, right, right. So how do you, how do you get the world and maybe this this pandemic that has kept us separated is the answer, but how do you get the world to sit up and take notice that these communities are doing more than just making amazing spirits by using these ancient techniques, that that by using their five senses and, and things, the skills that they've developed um, over multiple generations, they've also developed solutions to problems that we're still struggling with in the quote-unquote developed world. Exactly. And I think that that's why I'm so excited about the future of Agave Spirits. I really, really, really want to see if we're lucky and if we have more people that love the things that we love and a lot of the heritage is kept. I think that in a hundred years, the Agave Spirits are going to be coming out of their cool, not only be delicious, but also have great impact in the communities where they're made. And we can also maybe have a Twinkie Pachuga at that point. I uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I think we're going to call that a wrap, If you, unless you've got something funnier to end with than Twinkie Pachuga. No, I'm very happy with this. Okay. Adios. Hang on, road trippers. We're not done yet. We've got an episode of Chava and Lou's Chat Fest coming up. Mescal Amaras is supporting this episode of Agave Road Trip. Mescal Amaras Cupriata is an exotic elixir crafted in the subtropical deciduous forests of Guerrero under a challenging atmosphere. The 13-year-old Agave Cupriata grows under a humid subtropical climate at an altitude of 1,000 to 1,500 meters above sea level. It belongs to a small group of agaves that do not produce offsprings, what we would call in Spanish, huelos, and they can only be grown from the seed, hence the importance of protecting the strongest and healthiest mother agaves, allowing them to reproduce in their own time and space. Amaras Cupriata is a bridgeway to a range of possibilities in flavors and aromas that the biodiversity of agaves can offer. It sets in motion a journey into a universe of intricate flavors, deriving from the richness in the different species of wild agaves. It is considered to be the flip side of the agave espadine, carrying richer characteristics and bringing to life unusual herbaceous notes that take you on an excursion into the forests of Guerrero. You can enjoy neat or enjoy it in cocktails. For example, their Cupriatini, Cupriata Twist, or the Abuela's Remedy, all created by Mezcal Amaras. Check those recipes out at their website, mezcalamaras.com. 
This is Lou Bank. This is Chava Beriwan. And this is Chava's Chaffest. We're going to chat you up for three solid minutes about the things you love to chat about. This is the podcast within a podcast that has nothing to do with agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico, unless it does, as it does in the case of this chat fest, Chava. What is it going to be about, Lou? I'm scared now. Okay, so a few years ago, there was a story that hit the news about um, uh, El Chapo had a bunch of his drugs withheld by uh, by ISIS fighters. So the, the drugs were leaving... I know. The drugs... <laughs> you don't yeah. remember this? Uh, like, please, entertain me. Yeah, I have no idea what you're... Yeah. Okay, so... The, the, again, like, we could really... We should have looked it up before we started this chat fest. But um, there's this great news story about how... Um, and this, this had to be during um, Obama, because it was that long ago, um, during Obama's presidency, where, uh, and I guess El Chapo was still free. Um, he's all, he has always, he's free still, Lou. He's like Elvis. He's just in an island, but whatever. Well, so the the um, the ISIS um, uh, uh, terrorists had stopped some of the, the freighters that were carrying the poppies from the Middle East, from <laughs> from Afghanistan, maybe I don't know, um, and prevented them from bringing the drugs to Mexico. And El Chapo was threatening in the news was threatening the ISIS fighters, and it was this amazing <laughs> story that everybody was excited about. It was like, where is that movie? Where is oh. that movie? Well, no, 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 no. It's because I. I you have to prioritize with drug dealing stories in Mexico. So I, I, I think <laughs> you've got yeah. so many options. Yeah, like you know, I I don't usually scroll the Netflix thing, but every time I do, I'm always like you know when I was like I don't know like in the nineties, like there was no Netflix, but everything was like Dawson's Creek or like chick flicks, right? Everything was yeah. romantic stories. Yeah, and sure. now everything is like nautical stories. So the Dawson's Creek of yesterday is now like El Chapo's different adventures. It's like the Tom of Tom and Jerry or something like that. So that's gonna come. I'm, I'm sure of that. Isis versus Chapo. Right. It felt to me. It felt to me like Predator versus Alien. Like you. Like right. But the real life version of Predator versus Alien, where where both sides that you're terrified of both sides. Like oh yeah, let's watch them fight for a little while. We'll just sit on the sidelines. Okay. But what? Who do you think is gonna win? Who will? Who will, who will have win from from this? Uh, who won? Because someone won out of this. You know, it's a good point. I, I, my guess, God, here's the heartbreaking part. My guess is that they negotiated a truce. Like, wh why hasn't the rest of the world figured out how to do that with either of those sides? But, but you're right. Like somebody, somebody clearly backed down, or or at least compromised, uh, or you would have had this bloody battle. And if there had been a bloody battle, okay, so. I'm going to go with ISIS on this. I'm going to go with ISIS, uh, not because I, I, you know, don't love Mexicans, but because, <laughs> because my theory is when you're fighting for religion, you're going to fight harder than when you're fighting for money. Well, but the Mexican cartels, they build churches and stuff. So it's all very yeah, intricate. But they, yeah, but, but they do that as a way, as a means to protect their income source, oh. not because, not because it's, it's religion to them. 
Whereas with ISIS, you know, whether you you agree with the religion or not, and I'm, you know, and and this is not this is not my way my my way of saying that uh, Islam is is a violent religion. It's not. It's you know, but but clearly their interpretation of the religion is. Okay, so do you think like if it was like alien versus what do you say predator? Predator. The yeah. first the first. Movie will be just like a stir-down, like a two-hour stir-down. And then the sequel will be there just like shaking hands and be like, okay, guy, I gotcha. Let's like try to kill Superman together. No, I think there had to have been a lot of deaths that we never heard about, right? Mm -hmm. Like there had to have been some casualties on both sides <laughs> before they had to sit down. <laughs> Okay, like we don't, we, we might have to research this. Uh, I'm actually scared of researching these things in my personal computer and my work computer. But if you can send me <laughs> an encrypted cell phone from America, I I, I can do this. I, I I got you covered. I'm pretty sure I can get that on eBay these days. Okay, Chidalu. Anything else you want to add to this? Uh, I think that's. I think that like you know. Here's the one thing I want to add. If uh, if among our eight listeners there is somebody who produces uh, major motion pictures, please make this film and invite us to the premiere. Okay, and we'll dress up. Uh, I can dress like El Chapo, and you can dress like uh, I'll, I'll wear one of those Huitla coches you keep telling me to wear. Ah, Huitla coche, Huipiles, Lou. Huipiles. That's what I meant. Huipiles, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can dress up like the endangered lady that always has to be there in the movie, right? That's right. I, you can tie me to the railroad tracks. Okay, yeah. Chava. I think it's a wrap for, for this chat fest. <laughs> okay, Lou. Adios. Hasta pronto. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.